whatever you do, don't. So last time we looked at some old television shows that gave me nightmares for one reason or another, and I remarked how interesting it was that these images stay with you long after the tube goes dark. That, of course, got me to thinking about the big screen and some movies that are so powerful or frightening that they actually affected people's, mine included, behavior. Some are iconic, some not, yet in each instance there was enough suspense, terror, or tension that they changed people's habits, or at the very least how someone thought about something commonplace. Everyone can, of course, make their own list, but these are just some of the ones that affected me, and some folks I knew. To start with the obvious, of course, you could attribute a whole slew of these kind of movies to one Alfred Hitchcock. I remember the first time I saw Psycho, uh, well after it hit the theaters in 1960. When I saw it with all its famous shower scene and its ghastly soundtrack, a scene so famous it's still taught in film classes around the world, it made an indelible mark on my psyche. That bit of film was so well choreographed and paced that at first I didn't know what I was seeing, what was happening. A mere moment before Janet Lee playing Marion Crane was simply preparing to take a normal, everyday shower. And a second later, pure terror. Well, after that, me and a few million other people on the planet decided we prefer taking baths. We can leave the shower alone. To this day, when I pull the shower curtain closed, yes, I do take showers to say, I have a moment of hesitation. After the way the mind takes fearful flight and you ask yourself, was that the door opening? Did I hear a footstep? Amazing. And this, of course, wasn't Hitchcock's first foray into manipulating minds and changing habits. Two years before, with Vertigo, he made a whole lot of people who didn't know they were afraid of heights. And four years before that, with Rear Window, people started to look at their neighbors in a bit different way, maybe a little bit more suspiciously. And, of course, no list would be complete without his masterpiece, The Birds. Now, thankfully, that one had no lasting effect on me, and I continue to love birds, though I can sense, can't say the same for a lot of people I know who saw it. And to be honest, if I were to be sitting on a bench and look behind me to see hundreds of birds perched everywhere, when a moment before there had only been two, well, yeah, that might get me to change my mind. A decade later, another master would change almost everyone's idea of a fun day at the beach. Got it in one, didn't you? Yes, Steven Spielberg decided to make everyone landlubbers when he made Jaws. People stayed away from the ocean shore in droves after that was released. I wrote about this before, but right after me and my friends had gone to see the film together uptown, we had scheduled a day at the beach at Coney Island, and we all went gamely out there. But as I recall, there wasn't a whole lot of swimming happening. Lots of sun tanning, strolling on the sand, eating hot dogs and knishes, but swimming, like in the water, eh, not so much. An aunt of mine swore off the ocean completely after that. She would go into pools, swim in the lake, take a bath in a bathtub. But the ocean? Never again. And I get it. Just like stepping into the shower and imagining the bathroom door opening, when I would eventually would go into the ocean again and, and swim, there was always a part of my brain wondering just what was watching me from below. And after that thought, I had the one that prayed whatever it was when it attacked, it was over quickly. Just like Hitchcock, Spielberg knew and played on primeval fears that we didn't even know we had. And heck, if we didn't have them before, we sure did after seeing these films. Okay, so let's see. Showers, swimming in the ocean, birds, neighbors, heights, what else? How about a little weather paranoia? Weather as in fog, which is kind of spooky anyway. You can't see well through it. It's damp and usually rolls in with the night. All in all, it's not very reassuring. It was always associated with bad things happening. Think 1880s London and Jack the Ripper. 
But when John Carpenter released The Fog in 1980, he took it to a whole new level. It's bad enough you can't see through the stuff well, but what if some nasty killers were lurking in it, rolling in with it? I sometimes like fog. It's atmospheric and moody and even kind of romantic. But every time I find myself in it now, it's not long before the imagination goes to work and I see a ghostly crew of mariners emerging from it coming for me. And that's when I go inside and uh, to the well-lit, really bright house. And you can keep all that atmosphere. Thank you very much. The other night, while I was watching a ball game, the television screen momentarily blipped, and for a few seconds, all I could see was broadcast static. No big deal, right? So why did I get an uneasy feeling for a second? It didn't make any sense. What was spooking me? And then I remembered Poltergeist. The little girl, the white noise on the TV set, the famous line there, here, all came rushing back to me. Here, all these years later, that movie made such an impression that a few seconds of innocent static evoked fear. It didn't stop me from watching television, but still, I don't like when, when that staticky thing happens. Some changed how I thought about things, some just stuck with me and deliver the creeps every time. Care for a canoe ride down a historic southern river with friends? Cue the banjo music. No, no thank you. I remember how that turned out in Deliverance. How about a ride in that cool-looking Plymouth Fury that just pulled up with no one driving it, as in Christine? Now, nah, just walk, thanks. And wait a second, do you see eyes looking out from that sewer grate? Nope, nope, no siree, not me. I don't see anything. I'm moving right along. No sewer, I didn't see it at all, as if we needed another reason to be scared of clowns. Hey, look at this, a vintage rare doll. That would make a great gift, wouldn't it? It's even got a name. It's called Annabelle. No, 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 you just leave that right where it is. Don't even touch it. They may not be at all as effective, as well-made as the classic, but each one was good enough to implant at least one seed of doubt, fear, trepidation, or terror that stayed with me long after I left the cool darkness of the movie theater. It's all a tribute to the power of some good writing, production values, direction, execution, and, yeah, my own suggestive mind. Well, that about does it for me this week. I'm off to see a friend who wants to show me a strange videotape someone gave him. He said it's supposed to be cursed. Oh, yeah. He said I shouldn't answer the phone after viewing it, especially on the first ring. Silly, huh? Rob.